Welcome to the Biz Dad Podcast, where we dive into the melding of fathership and entrepreneurship with your host, the original Biz Dad himself, Adam Labar. Adam is a Christian, a former Air Force officer, a dad to three amazing kids, a coach, a real estate investor, and a business owner. On this podcast, he'll explore the unique journeys of amazing dads who are striving for greatness in both business and family. So whether you're a dad who is an aspiring entrepreneur, a seasoned business owner, or simply a man striving to be a better dad, get ready as the Biz Dad brings you conversations to inspire, challenge, and equip you to be a better dad and entrepreneur. And now, here's Adam. All right, everybody, welcome to the Biz Dad Podcast. Today, I'm excited to have Lyle Head on the call. Um, we have a mutual friend in Stu Grazier who introduced us. I'm looking forward to uh, uh, chat with Lyle and learning a little bit more about him and his family, um, as well as his business. I uh, um, I love getting to meet new people, and this will be the first time we really have an in-depth talk, period. So I, I can't wait for it. But uh, Lyle, if you can, go ahead and introduce yourself and your family and uh, tell us a little bit about your business. Thanks for having me, Adam. No, excited to be here. So um, 46 years old, um, 17 years ago, I made a trip to Costa Rica and decided to never leave. Um, since then, <laughs> I, I married a, a girl from Colombia that I met here. I've had, I had an 11-year-old daughter, uh, built a few businesses, real estate, vacation rentals. Uh, now I'm in the coaching and consulting and also doing some real estate development. Uh, and the most recent exciting dad thing that I've done is um, almost a year ago, uh, we semi-adopted a young girl from an island here. Um, her mom wanted to give her an opportunity to play more soccer and get more experience. So she asked if she could come live with us this year, and it's been, been amazing. Um, the, the Watching this young girl coming from a small island, being exposed to you know the mainland and going to a big school mm -hmm. and playing in national soccer tournaments and being able to experience that, get my daughter to be able to experience that, that humbleness and bringing that into our house has been mm -hmm. a pretty darn cool experience. So That's really awesome. Yeah. So you're, you have, I bet you, I mean, they're 11 and 13. So I bet you those two girls are at this point, probably like connected to the hip and just loving life together. huh? Yeah. They're and boys and all that stuff, you know, it's, <laughs> ah, no, that's not going to happen. I've got a four-month-old daughter, and she's not going to ever be interested in boys. So, never uh, going to happen. I'm like, no, break I, your uh, heart as soon as possible. Break your heart, break your heart as soon as possible. <laughs> I want to be there when they yep. when it happen. It's no, bound to happen. Not. Be there to support. Be ready for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I I, uh, I look forward to having my my daughter find a, a solid young man to be able to uh, um, be by her side for the rest of her life. So it's 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 a wonderful thing that I hope to be an example of what she should be shooting for when she uh, is looking for a husband. So, um, but tell me a little bit about the uh, I mean, seventeen years ago, right? Jumping into Costa Rica. Why is why did you choose Costa Rica? What happened with that? And and then like, were you already in business at that point? Were you not in business? How, uh, how did the Costa Rica thing? Yeah. Out? Yeah. I mean, um, I mean, I've been doing entrepreneur stuff ever since even, even high school and all through college. Um, um, I had a mortgage company before I came to Costa Rica and I was just grinding and my whole life was revolving around sport, around, around making money. Just everything was around making money. And I was doing very, very well from the outside. I mean, I had a 5,000, plus square foot house on a country club. I had the biggest Beamer you could possibly mm -hmm. have. Like 
had a limousine company. I mean, I had so many things going on uh, from the outside. People were like, man, this guy is top of the world. But inside, I was, mm-hmm. I was just chasing the wrong thing. And I was caught into this, like, I was caught into this cycle that I didn't feel like I was ever going to be able to get out of. Like, and I came up, I was like, I took a vacation. I was like, I need to take a vacation. I need to go do something. I literally went by myself to Costa Rica for three weeks. And within the first 10 days, I'm sitting on a golf course, which I lived on a private country club at that time. I played high school golf. I was supposed to play golf in college. Like golf was my life um, in my younger days. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't played in years living on a country club because it's time. I'm not going to make money playing golf was my justification. Yeah. Um, and I meet this guy on this hippie guy on the golf course, it's barefoot smoking pot, um, playing 300 rounds a year and surfing every day. And I'm like, what am I doing wrong? Like, this is what I'm like, everybody's yeah. trying to get to this. Like I'm living in Northern California. Like how can I make enough money to live in Santa Monica, be on the beach and live this lifestyle? Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm doing something wrong. I can do this right now. Like I'm out of here. I'm selling everything. I'm coming down here. I'm going to go figure it out. And I literally went home for nine days, sold everything, sold all my real estate, um, got a 350 square foot apartment about two blocks from the beach and a bicycle. I was like, I'm going to figure it out. Nice. And that's, that's yeah. uh, burning the ships right there. Holy gracious. You weren't playing around. It was it was man, so man. needed. It was so needed. And I just went into this mindset. I started going, everything was like, okay, how am I going to recover my health? Because I went from playing, mm-hmm. I was supposed to play college golf. I ended up not, I ended up playing some football. So I got really into, I got really, I got really big, really muscular, doing steroids, all that kind of stuff. And then I went totally extreme into work. So then I turned into fat and unhealthy mm-hmm. and was drinking every day and smoking pot and doing all this stuff. It was just all these vices to deal with, you know, the stress of grinding, you know, every single day. Um, mm-hmm. And so then I went and like, I'm going to figure out my health. And that's pretty much been where my, my motto has been for the last 17 years. It's, it started with physical health and then starting to understand that it's truly the mental health. is the only way you can really yeah. You know, like, unless you figure that part out, the stories you tell in your head, like, there's no figuring anything mm-hmm. else out of life. And that's, you know, that's been the last, like, eight to ten years really focused journey, which has increased my health, has increased my wealth, has increased, you know, all these things. Yeah. You know, because that's where, that's where the primary focus is now. That's awesome. Yeah, it it's... The the mental side is like once you really and I'm still in the middle of trying to to strengthen that side of it to really to really get through and have some of those breakthroughs that I'd really like to have. But like just getting even halfway through it and you know getting a hold of some of the stuff is unreal. Like what it can actually do and help you shape. You know, um, you know I look at how even even basic finance stuff. How I like you know you you probably don't know much of my backstory, but um, I was a paycheck to paycheck guy for a long time. Didn't know anything else. You know, and then I started working on my thought processes. My you know figuring out all the stuff and where that came from and then went off on a different rail with uh, with my financial my my financial situation and moves and then like same thing with my mental health when it came to like my family my my dad especially like really trying to understand who he was but before i go down that that tangent i want to ask you about your dad so i can kind of see how all of this kind of kind of came in together right um so uh tell me a little bit about lyle growing up who you were what what it was like living with your dad and who your dad was um you know talk to me a little bit about the history of uh who you are 
Yeah, my parents had me when they were young. They were like 21, 22 years old. My name's Lyle. I was born on a little island in North, Northern California. So my mom named me Isle, Lyle, right? Hippie parents. Uh, they ended up moving to this. They ended up, that was like, I was in the, where they were at was in the Bay Area. My mom was afraid of me like going to like big schools in the Bay Area and being in the city. So they ended up moving to this real small mm-hmm. town um, in Northern California called Fort Bragg. Just about 5,000 people live there. Um, little far, little fishermen, logging community, and pot grubbers. This really was the mix okay. of people that were there. Um, so, yeah, my parents, my parents moved there. My mom didn't didn't work for the first five six years of my life. She had like a little nursery so that she could be there and take care of me. She didn't feed me sugar. She didn't do any like full on hippie mom like no TV, mm-hmm. no like. And stayed with me and like trained and developed me as a as a very young kid. So like when I went to when I went to kindergarten, all that stuff was easy. Uh, my dad was the manly man. My dad was the you know he he was a hunter. Um, he was a he was a contractor. He built houses. You know, drinking beer, chewing tobacco. Um, guy and was always you know tough guy. You know, everything's like. You don't mm-hmm. take shit from anybody, you know, always had the armor on. So I always wanted to be like, I always wanted to be like that. Right. And the same, you know, I'm trying to chew tobacco. I'm hunting. I'm shooting. I, mean, I got my first gun at mm-hmm. four and a half years old. I got my first motorcycle at four and a half years old and riding around the neighborhoods, killing things. You know, like that was, that was my life. My dad was my coach as a kid and I played all the sports. I wrestled, I boxed, I played T-ball. You know, football. Um, and he was my coach all the way until about eight or nine years old. And then he got in a car wreck coming back from a job site. And he broke his back and they determined he was permanently disabled. And it was because he couldn't wow. pass some proficiency test. So he ends up getting on pain pills and goes down this whole, like, he's only 30 years old. And they tell him he can't work anymore. And so he went through this. I mean, everything changed in my life after that, right? Like he was no longer my coach. He's high on pills. He goes through like nine different rehabs. I have to go talk to a psychiatrist. And I'm a sharp kid. Like even at eight years old, like I'm, I'm not your average, you know, eight year old. Like I, I have complex mm-hmm. thought processes and, you know, I'm, I know what's going on. Right. Like I remember going to these psychiatrists and like within two or three sessions, the psychiatrist was like, get this kid out of here. Like, I think it's just a waste to even have this kid here. Like he, so I started slowly becoming the man of the house. Right. And I was Mm -hmm. doing really well in school. I'm doing really well in sports. So nobody could tell me anything. And I lived in a very small town and I got away with everything. Yeah. Right. So I went, I went through this period of time of being in the small town, getting away with everything, you know, only doing the things that I like to do. Uh, and I got out, but I mean, through that period, I was a big partier, a big drinker, lots of girls, mm-hmm. you know, all these things that men were getting rewarded for, right. Being a bully, all these like negative things that we, I kept getting like lifted up to be like and do. Um, yeah. So 
yeah, I ended up going to college and ended up getting in trouble my first year in college. I got kicked out. Um, ended up going to junior college. Got lucky in the junior college. I met, I ended up playing football. One of the best guys on the football team, me and him were best friends. Um, and he wasn't going to a school unless I went with him. So I ended up getting to go to UC Berkeley. That's the thing back here. He, he got me, yeah. he got me into UC Berkeley after I got kicked out of UC Davis. Um, cause he wasn't going there unless I went with him, which, nice. and then you start to, when you start, when you start learning and going out in the real world that you're not invincible, right? They start mm-hmm. actions. There's, there's actual, um, consequences for them, right? And that's the beginning yeah. of starting to learn that stuff all through college. And, uh, yeah. And my dad, not how my dad, my dad, my dad wasn't in my, I mean, he was there, but he wasn't in my life. And my mom was a codependent of him. So she never argued. She would try to argue with me, but my mom couldn't argue with me about anything either. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I, at the, at the young age, like in my mid teens to mid twenties, like nobody told me anything. Like I thought I knew everything. Like yeah. I didn't have anybody around me that I felt was smarter than I was or could tell me anything, which wasn't healthy. Yeah, that's what I'm. That's what I've been repacking for the last twenty years. Oh, I bet. Yeah, I I mean, there's a lot there to repack, unpack, repack, and all that. You know, I I can't imagine. You know, my my dad broke his back in the military, um, and then, uh, but thankfully, um, was not uh, you know disabled to that point. But it was, uh, you know watching him go through some of the suffering throughout the rest of his life. And, you know, he ended up still, you know, getting another career and go through all that. But man, it just like, I, as with most, um, I think teenage boys thought that I knew everything as well. And I didn't, none of that stuff mattered, but I couldn't imagine the, the extra part of, you know, not even having the the father figure on having to be the man of the house and do all the stuff. So, um, you know, how, how did that, you know, as you were going through that, what kind of, uh, well, first off, do you have any siblings? Or are you an only child? Yeah, I have a, young, I have a younger sister. Um, yeah, she's three okay. years younger than me. And with her, because I was so good in sports and so good in school and all these things, like I was winning. Mm-hmm. This When she got into sports, the first sport she got into and she didn't win, she shut down. And everything oh. in her life, yeah. she never wanted to do anything that I did because she was always being yeah. compared to me. Right? So mm. that was that was brutal for her, right? Like she, she got into high school, you know, I'm the cool kid in high school, the captain of the football team, all these certain things. And she's like, doesn't want to be associated that that's Lyle's little sister. Cause that's how everyone. Yeah. Talking, yeah. Right. So she dealt with that, yeah, that sucks. thing that she had to deal with. Right. And, um, yeah, mm-hmm. that was, we have a great relationship now, but that was, a that was definitely, definitely tough for her. Yeah, I would imagine. Yeah, I did. She, how did she take you? Ended up having to be almost the man of the house as all that was going. Did she? I mean, obviously, she did, wasn't a fan of having to, uh, you know, um, follow in your footsteps and some of those things. But what was it like, as you know, with you inside the house with her? I didn't care about anybody. I was so bad. Hmm. I didn't. I, I had no. I had no higher power. I had no. I was. Mm-hmm. I didn't care about anybody. You know, I was on the planet by myself doing whatever I felt was right. And nobody else's opinions or feelings mattered. Like I had no sympathy mm. or empathy for anybody on the planet. 
It was that bad. Yeah, so it was much know? less about being the man of the house and much more about being the man. Control. Right. Yeah, just being the man. Yeah. And I'm in control. Nobody tells yeah. me what to do. I'm going to do, do it however I want to do it. Good luck. Yeah. I would imagine. So you said it was until your mid-20s. What hit in the mid-20s that really made you kind of change that thought process and that pattern? I mean, it probably really, Costa Rica was a real beginning of where I was putting in the energy. I mean, I was starting to, oh, okay. it was in my twenties, it was, you'd get in trouble. Like I'd get in trouble for certain things and then I realize, mm-hmm. okay, this things don't work, right? I'd have a business. I'll lose a bunch of money in a business. Well, look at how I treated these people. I started, I was at least aware enough to see yeah. that my mistakes, I could go back and look at them and say, okay, what did I do wrong here? How could I adjust this? And then, um, Right. And then I hired a coach, uh, probably I hired this mortgage broker coach that started pointing things out to me, right. And calling me out on, on different stuff that really started okay. the beginning of the transformation for me and diving into, you know, seven habits of highly affected people, the peaceful warrior, John Maxwell, just starting to go to those courses and, you know, trying to learn the seven habits. Mm-hmm. Like I remember the first time I read the seven habits of highly affected people, I'm like, there ain't a human planet that's anywhere like this like not that i can see this is like pretty yeah. serious like this is not even like really yeah, like no i was like this is depressing like the, oh, never gonna be able to do this <laughs> now it's like yeah get it like the you know it's it's time it's work it's you, you put it in mm-hmm. and, and it'll happen so just the beginning of of getting failing so many times and i'm such an optimist that I just kept failing and then improving a little bit, improving a little bit. I just kept growing, right? As a human, I just kept growing and evolving yeah. and realizing that these behaviors are what are causing me to fail. Yeah. Right. And that's even to this so, day, I was mentoring a guy this morning and telling him like, look at these, all my things that I do right now is just trying to break a, a conditional autopilot habit that I have that is disrupting me from taking the next step in my life. Mm-hmm. Right? It's, and it's just one yes. at a time. I'm not trying to do hundreds. It's just not. And I've been doing this for 20 plus years, just keep stacking on a new one, stacking on a new one and building confidence mm-hmm. with myself. I'll be like, what is the thing that's really going to change me? Right? Like 12 years ago, I quit out. That was one that was huge for me. My daughter was born. I was like, I don't want her mm-hmm. to drink alcohol. I saw, I've seen what it done in my family in the past. I'm going to be the model mm-hmm. and show her that alcohol is not needed to enjoy your life. Nice. So, yeah, I, I want to rewind a minute because you, you mentioned hiring a coach. Now it's very, there had to be a step in between there. Cause you you don't usually go from, uh, you know, the, the world is all of mine to hiring a coach without something happening in between. So, what you know? How did how did you end up deciding to hire a a uh, a coach? Um, I had I did this I did a um, this gym project and I lost about three quarters of a million dollars and I did everything right. Mm-hmm. Right. So I and I it, what it made me realize is I didn't have anybody around me that was really the right people around me. So I needed to go outside. Mm-hmm. I needed to go, you know, from listening, from reading books and doing different things. It was like, this was what at that period of time in my life was like, this is what you need to do. 
this is the next step you need to take. You need to go get somebody from the outside that can show you who you are. Yeah. Because everybody in my circle, I didn't have anybody in my circle. Mm -hmm. When you decided, I mean, again, I want to dig a tiny bit deeper. I'm going to see if I can pick the scab a little bit. Um, uh, There had to be like, did you run out of people to blame on the three quarters? Because, like, if you, I, I don't, I don't, and I could be just filling in gaps on myself, right? Like, um, yeah. uh, you know, if you you lost three quarters of a million, like, where you're like, man, I, I literally ran out of people to blame. This has got to be on me. So, like, like, how do I fix this part? Like, what? I, how I don't think I accepted. Yeah, I don't think I accepted that it was on me until I until I had that okay. coach. Right? Like, I don't think I uh-huh. fully accepted it was on me. Um, and I don't. That even took a little bit. A little bit of time. I mean, that was probably until I fully started truly accepting that I was responsible for everything that happened in my life. Probably wasn't until my early thirties. Okay. Right. I don't. Yeah. I. I think I'm still. I think I still would blame other people. I would still blame laziness of other people of why they weren't successful, why my leadership wasn't working. Um. Right. That's that's been an evolution. Um. That wasn't. That's taken. That's taken a long time, and I don't know the exact time to where it shifted. Now it just feels normal. Mm-hmm. Like now I, now I fully like. Yep. I know every resistance that's in my life is my resistance. It's no one else's. Like, um, mm-hmm. it's been. It's been a process of step by step work for almost twenty years, probably right now. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that, I mean that that certainly doesn't happen overnight. That I've you know, um, I like to think that I'm in the middle of it. Like like I was talking about before. Like it's it's uh, um, understanding exactly who we are really helps to figure out how how we can interact with people in a better manner and how we can go through it. But um, so tell me about the the coach. How did that? Like, what did that coach say to you that helped you kind of open your eyes and start to work towards that um, that understanding? Honestly, I mean. It was just calling me out, right? It was me just, it was just mm-hmm. someone that was just calling me out that I respected, right? And it was just calling my bullshit every single week when I'm on the calls with them, right? Like they were just, they were just calling me out. And it was just like, like my first taste of really having that. I mean, I had coaches that would call you out in sports mm-hmm. and stuff like that, but it just it wasn't the same as, as calling you out in life situations that you're hiding behind and, and doing. So, oh. Um, yeah. Yeah, that was that's probably the 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 primary thing. And then I started yeah, I to guess I somebody who was always real estate. Yeah, I got into real estate and hired like technical coaches as I started going further. Mm-hmm. Uh, right, I bought. I, I kind of always keep a, a coach in my corner now, one way or another, or something. For sure, that's one of the reasons I wanted to ask that is because I mean I, I think coaches are. You know, we most folks who have grown up in like sports, they're like, "Yeah, sure, coaching, that's great." Like, we all want coaches, and then we, co- we get into the rest of life, and we're like, "Oh yeah, we don't need coaches anymore." And it's like, nah, like we still probably should. Like, I mean, it, it, some people have done life a little better than we have, so let's find out how to do life better. Just like some people are know how to do sports a little better than we do, let's get somebody that can teach us how to do sports. So, um, and I, I would imagine for you coming from where you were and listening to your story a little bit. I would imagine it was very hard to hear that uh, hear anybody call you out on anything, you know, because you probably had never really had that. Um, well, no, I, I sat in it. I sat in it. Every, 
yeah, I sat in a pinnacle everywhere I was at. Right, I was the yeah. I was always the final sayer. I would yeah, nobody could people. nobody could tell me what to do, and I would ask for their opinion, but they all never yeah. listen. <laughs> it was all it yeah. was all yeah. It was a self-serving question. Let me ask you for your opinion to make me sound better. You know, uh, no. how uh, how have you been trying to? You know, you you know, a lot of that has obviously started to change before you had your daughter. How have you been trying to? You know, raise your daughter in a way that prevents her from going down some of those rough roads that that you had to to pave the way for. Yeah, it's. It's a slippery slope, man. It's 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 really really difficult. Um, you know, just trying to. My main thing with my daughter ultimately is I want her to trust me. Mm-hmm. Like I think that is the biggest thing. That's where I lost. That's where I went off the rails. And every kid or every person that I've met that's kind of gone off the rails, it's they lost trust with their parents. Yeah, and I've seen it with some of the stupidest things. Like I've met girls that, when they found out about Santa Claus, they lost the trust with their parents, right? Like some of the you know the Easter Bunny, and they don't trust their parents anymore. So yeah. now, when you don't trust that adult, that figure in your life, then you're going to go try to discover things on your own, and you're not going to come to someone that's going to actually mm-hmm. guide you and care about you, right? So that's yeah, been my sure. my primary thing: is just don't lie to her for nothing. Right. And, and really show her that, that I'm there no matter what. Uh, I make mistakes, right? Learning about vulnerability. Like that was not a word in my life before I had a daughter. Mm-hmm. You know, that was not something that I, that I shared, you know, like, um, yeah. And just, and being, being aware of being aware of, the reflection that she is of me like that's probably the probably the biggest one right every the mm-hmm. noticing these resistance that i had for her and having to stop and pause and go oh, okay that's me okay can't get mad at her about what i taught her yeah she's following yeah. merely me like now how do i show her that yes i do that but we both need to change together because this isn't mm-hmm. the way we want to project ourselves into the world Thank you for making yeah. me aware. How have you had that conversation? Yeah, how have just you had like that conversation about with her? Um, I'm at, at yeah. eleven, just like that. It's just it's like yeah. black and white. You know, direct conversations with her. You know, um, we started a reflection practice a couple of years ago where we reflect with each other at least once a once a, a month. We started. We were doing it daily, um, where we share. What made you upset? What did I do to upset you today? What did you do to upset me today? With the goal that I'm going to share with you first what I did to upset you because then I'm aware that I did. But giving the safe place that, hey, my wife and my daughter can truly share with me what I did to upset them. And this was all sparked Mm -hmm. because my wife was like, I heard her tell my daughter, hey, that's just the way your daddy is. Mm. And it killed me. I'm like, no, if I'm doing something that's driving you nuts and you're just going to say, that's the way I am. I have no idea that I'm doing that to drive you nuts. You know, I yeah. think people are not aware yeah, of the, they miss that so much. They're like, 
I don't think there's too many humans on the planet that go out, hey, let me go see how I can piss off my wife. Yeah. No, let me go see how I can make I would imagine kids. they're out there, but yeah, probably not too many. It's not too, that's yeah. not a, I don't wake up and say, let me see how I can frustrate everybody in my household. And then you allow mm-hmm. me to frustrate yeah, you every single day and don't tell me? Like, how am I going to change? Yeah. And I think, I think forcing those conversations and forcing is probably the wrong word, but um, making sure that we have the ability to be open in those conversations, both with you, like you mentioned, being able to say how how you, you know, may have upset them in a day and being able to like having that vulnerability to say, Hey, I, like, I am no, I am no perfect soul. Like, let's have a conversation where I can improve and let's have a conversation where you can improve and let's have a conversation where we can improve together and make these things happen. And, um, having to represent that is, is huge. And I, you know, I think that, uh, it's almost better to have heard it the way you, when, I don't know, may, let me hear your thoughts on this. It's almost better to have heard it the way you did, where it was just the two of them talking, as opposed to somebody telling you that, that way you could hear the openness and honestness of that conversation. Did you feel like, <clears throat> you feel like it would have been better if that had just approached you and said, Hey, like the way you're, you're communicating does this, or do you think it hits you a little bit differently because you overheard the two of them talking? It definitely hit me differently because I was in a phase where in my leadership and everything that I've been working on around the humans that I was with was to listen more, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. not, not give out my, I was in that, I was learning that, you know, when I would share my opinion first with people, because I, I carry myself as confident when I talk, I, people think, mm-hmm. He wouldn't be talking if he didn't know what he was talking about, right? And so no one would combat anything that I would say. So I was in this phase of like really trying to push with everybody who was around me to share their opinions with me first before I would share mine. So seeing that that wasn't resonating inside of my family as well, that was like, Mm. oh man, this is where it, it needs to work here more than it needs to work in the workplace. Right. Yeah. More than anywhere. Yeah. This is, this is, you know, like this is, this is it. Like this is, these are the people I want to trust me more than anything. These are the people that I want to be Mm -hmm. happy to see me and not be like, Oh, you know, I don't want to be the dad that's like calls on the phone, looks at the phone and be like, Oh, I want to talk to my dad right now. Yeah. 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 That's, uh, that's, that's powerful to hear. What uh, would you, when you got done hearing that and realizing like, man, this is not, it's not resonating the same way that I'm trying to get it to resonate at work. What was the, what were the steps you took and how did you kind of combat that with your, uh, with your family to make sure that, that they got that feeling that they, they need to approach you on those things. It was, it was through my daily reflection and then sharing with them that, Hey, I know I did this today and I know I did this and I know I did this today and I apologize. I'm trying to be better at it. Mm-hmm. I, I realize I did that. I, Will not mm-hmm. do it, and then by just consistently doing that, then they started saying it to me first, or we'd catch ourselves in the middle of the day when we we're doing it, and that practice has led me to to minimal triggers. Like I think I've triggered on my daughter twice this year, which is like it could have mm-hmm. been a daily thing in the past, yeah. right? Like my my wife is very minimal. I mean, I, I think I've triggered on my wife once this year, where I've had like a outbreak on her. Nice. Um, yeah. But combination of the meditation, all the different other things that you do to practice the slow and have that stimulus and response there. But knowing mm-hmm. that 
you're going to be held accountable and knowing that you've allowed that space for the people around you to hold you accountable makes you, for me, it's made me make a lot better decisions with how I react. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. I, uh, me personally, I'm still struggling a little bit. I, I, I don't think I'm as approachable probably with my kids as I would like to be. Like, I don't know if they would say that. I don't know if they would say that at all. Like if I brought Adam in here now, I think he would probably say I'm approachable, but I, I just don't feel like I am as approachable as I'd like to be because I want to be that, that just no matter what, I, I don't ever fly off the handle. I don't ever, you know, have those issues. And maybe it's a, you know, uh, a naive or pipe dream, uh, a naive, naive mindset or a pipe dream to think that there's no, that I'm never going to go off the handle or anything like that. But, um, you know, I, I think that instilling that practice to be able to communicate with each other and have that, have that understanding with each other and be able to push through anything going on with each other is, uh, you know, I would imagine a rather life changing experience for the family. What, uh, what is your, now that that's happening and you guys are now to a monthly instead of a daily, um, a conversation about that. Has it, uh, is, is it because you guys are so comfortable now just kind of saying something in the moment or is it because, you know, is that why it went to a monthly? I'll just, instead of leading, I'll just yeah, shut up and let you answer the question. As well as we're just, we don't do it to each other anymore. Yeah. We're conscious of it. We don't put ourselves in these situations where, where we're reacting to, to each other. Um, you know, we're, we're just, we're just don't, we, we've learned through through this nice. what are these things that trigger each other and we don't put ourselves um in these situations nice so what kind of work have you had your uh your daughter do that that to you know like you know you you'd mentioned that you had to do some steps yourself to kind of work through your own things and um i think it was in the pre-call you and i were chatting about you know it's it's around that eight-year-old range that they we start to realize the things that we did that um uh that they're you know showing that mirror to us of like hey this is you 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 screwed this part of me up you know uh what have you had to do what kind of conversations have you had to help her understand um like legitimate conversations about like what, what, Hey, these are the types of things that you're doing because of whatever reason. And these are the, like, how have you had those conversations to help her grow her mindset? Cause obviously she, she's 11, right? So we're not, or yeah, 11. So it's not like we're, you know, trying to, to break down these massive walls that have been happening for years and years, but yet we would like to prevent the walls from going up. So, um, you know, how, besides just, you know, being vulnerable with each other in that sense, like some real practical, this is what we're doing. This is the con- kind of conversation I've had with her. It sounds like, I mean, you are in a really good spot by the sounds of things um, with your own mental well-being as far as where you were to where you are now. So I'd love to hear kind of the building blocks for your daughter. Yeah, I mean... Really being patient and watching her, like we started homeschool a couple of years ago. That was a big, that was a big mm-hmm. shift, and she wanted to do it. So it's been a, we've learned a lot about the discipline of what it takes. And I've been and I've been very adamant that it's her responsibility. Right, this is her business. This is her ownership. This is her learning opportunity. Mm-hmm. I'm here to support you. Right. So we've learned. We've seen cheating. We've seen lying. We've seen all these different little things that have happened and me being able to be there and be like, it's okay. Why did you cheat? Because you were afraid that yeah. you were going to get in trouble for me. No, no, no. You created that. I didn't, I didn't create, mm-hmm. I didn't create that. That's something you're putting in your own head. I've never, ever punished you or got upset with you because 
you didn't succeed at something. The only times I yeah. ever punished is when you lie to me. That's it. Yeah. That's our number one value is that we're going to trust and we're not going to lie to each other. Because the last thing I want to do is be sitting in a household with people that I love and they're lying to my face. You want to trigger me to the mm-hmm. next level? That's the biggest trigger. It's, that's the hardest part thing for me to overcome is that when I have someone that loves me, that's, that's my family right there next to me, they'll look me dead in the eye and lie to me like I'm stupid. Hmm. That's like, that was that's something that gets me right up. Like, how to not run, yeah. how to not lose yeah. it on that one. <laughs> like, yeah, I am so much of that. And that's usually reason. the one that's going to make it happen for me. And what I've done is the most recent one. My punishment, my new punishment things that I've been doing. I think I, I think it was from the Daily Dad, but it was like instead of punishing her with verbal, it's you know what? Let's see how many push-ups you can do. You're just going to do push-ups, and <laughs> we're just going to keep doing push-ups, and you're just going to keep doing push-ups, and we should do some jumping jacks too. Let's just sit here, and you're sweating and crying, and he's thinking about like, let's get something out of this. Right. Let's let's yeah. at least get some health benefits out of out of this punishment that you're going to mm-hmm. get. We're going to wear you out yeah. through exercise, um, and you're going to learn a lesson right now as well. <laughs> yeah, the emotional scars uh, take a little while to heal, but you know what? After push-ups, your chest may hurt tomorrow, but you're going to feel better. It's going to be good. It's not going to be bad, and hopefully, you stop lying to me, right? <laughs> yeah. But and you'll remember all those push-ups and uh, crunches that you had to do. But, yeah, to me, like the the lying is the one thing that I, I really struggle with, um, and uh, I, I've been trying to contemplate like how I may have set the stage to make it like to make it so that you felt like you had to lie because you the it was better than the alternative, right? Um, and I I don't know. I mean, I think that so I'm I, I mean I'm a Christian. I think that we all um, from my from my perspective, we all are. We're all born sinners. We're all going to be making mistakes. We're all going to be, you know, in doing the wrong things, right? Um, so now it's one of those. Okay, well, I, I know that that's already in your nature, but I need to be able to uh, figure out how we can prevent our nature from coming out that awfully much, right? Um, so what am I doing that is causing you to need to do that? Um, uh, and I'm wondering, did you have you had any of that self reflection, or can you help me personally on trying to figure out, like, is, is that something I should continue to dig into, or do you think there's a better route for me to take? I don't, it's, it's usually what I've found. It's one moment that they're holding on to that they might not be able to express to mm-hmm. you at the age they're at right now. Right. But there's one incident that's created this fear that makes them think that lying is going to avoid that being back in that space where they didn't feel like you cared and loved for them and wanted them to be there. Right? Mm-hmm. And it could be the silliest, like you won't even like, it could be the silliest thing, but it's just like, ingrained in their head this image is ingrained in their head right and as they get as they get a little bit older you'll see with your boy between this like eight and eleven these are when you'll 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 dig it out of him right you'll dig it out of him if you just keep having the conversation just keep Mm -hmm. reminding him i love you i trust you the last thing i'm ever going to do is punishing you for telling me the truth i mean i've had to have conversations with my daughter i said look at baby if you go and drive over someone and kill them in the car and you run away, you come to me, me and you are going to figure out how to not get in trouble. I'm your guy, (laughs) right? Like there's no one else. Like 
like to that extreme, like I'm your guy, I'm going to help you get out of anything possible that's going to go on in this world. There's no one else that's going to be there for you. Like I'm going to be there. for you. Mm-hmm. Right? So don't ever put me in a situation where I don't know what's really going on. Don't ever put me in that yeah. situation because I'm not going to be able to help you. And there's no one on this planet that's going to go to bat to help you like I am or your mother's going to. And just continue. It's just a continual yeah, thing. You just got to keep and then showing them that you're truthful. You're, you're, you're real about it, right? Not reacting because mm-hmm. they got a bad grade. You know, not reacting because, you know, they didn't win a game, right? Over stupid, you know what I mean? Like, you're reacting. You didn't yeah. put in the effort. We will talk about the effort that you put into this, right? Let's mm-hmm. talk about. Didn't you tell me you studied all night last night? Well, you did it, right? I can see in your here on your screen that you were watching Netflix. So, mm-hmm. what's really going on? It's as yeah. long as you're. I think as long as you're consistent over time, like you'll go through these waves as they as they grow. And ultimately, for me, like it's all about before these teenage years. Make sure I lock in this trust. Yeah. Well, that makes perfect sense. It's, you know, I, I've tried now, you know, I've, I've been doing for the last quite a, uh, quite a while now, I suppose is, um, no, speaking to my son, come on in, buddy. <laughs> With a smile on his face. Cause he knows he's interrupting a podcast. What's up, dude. Yeah. <sighs> So one thing I've been trying to do with with this one, especially as he's the he's the oldest one, of course he's going to steal a headphone and put it in and try to listen. Yeah, you got to hear what's uh, going as, on. As I've been having conversations with him, is uh, like, hey, what? Um, it it is very tempting to lie because at one point you've probably done it and got away with it, and it felt good because man, I was able to get away with it. But now you have to realize that whether <laughs> I would much rather you tell me the truth. Getting a little like we'll have to have a conversation about what you did wrong, but you're not going to be in trouble. But we're going to have a conversation about what you did wrong. I'd much rather do that than have you lie to me, and now you're in trouble for lying to me. Like let's let's get through it. Let's have a conversation. You're you, there's still going to be times, and I know you know I know this kid right here is going to lie to me again. But you darn well better not. I'm try. Yeah, you're darn right. You're going to try not. To. But, but hey. I know there's going to be times where he's. But hey, what? Like, I always say, like, my our big phrase lately has been, he is watching. Yes. Right? Yeah. He is Even if I don't see it happen, <laughs> God sure knows. Yeah. He's watching always. So don't don't yep. think you're hiding or, you're, you know, you're, being, you're, you're winning somewhere. You're never winning when you're not, when you're sinning, ultimately. Like, it's, there's, he's watching you no matter what's going on. Even if you think you're getting away from it in the short term. Right? And it's hard because, like, I that know rhymes. Me, so it's got to be true. You know, you're was, never winning when you're yeah, sinning. I was, I was allowed to, I was allowed to sin and encouraged to sin as a kid, right? It was mm-hmm. like I got away with, I got away with things, and I mean, my parents would even justify things that I was doing and saying it was okay, and you know, and it's like you start thinking that it's okay, like it's and it's mm-hmm. it's it, it's be- it's better to fail than to cheat and lie. In the long term, yeah, yeah, completely agreed. It's um, I, it, despite the fact that it never feels good to fail, 
but it also, you know, but uh, from time to time, it'll feel good to lie, but it always catches back up to you. Some way, shape or form is going to catch back up to you. Even if it's, you know, <laughs> even if it's after we die and we got to go to the pearly gates and chat, like it's going to catch up to us one way, shape or form. Um, but, uh, but it's, it's, um, and it's tough because even, you know, there are times where even as adults, we can catch ourselves going, you know, Hey, it's going to be so much easier to just lie about this one thing than it is to deal with the deal with whatever. And it's never going to be a big deal. It's all, you know, it's all we're past, we're going to pass right by it. And I'm never going to see this person again, or I'm never going to do, you know, whatever. And it's so easy to try to justify in our brain. Well, I mean, just I'm getting up tomorrow at six o'clock when you've never done it. You're lying to yourself. Mm-hmm. Right? We lie to ourselves every single day about something that we're going to do yeah. or how we're going to do it. Right. Like it's, and there's no benefit for us to, to lie. It's a, yeah. but we're, but we justify our lack of awareness of what we're doing and you know, it's the other person's fault or this and all these uncontrollables that we put it on. Right. It's mm-hmm. stuff. I mean, that's where, yeah. that's where I'm hoping with the things that I've learned now and learned with my daughter over these last 12 years, the more I can pour into her and make her really understand that this is the key to all of it. This mental game, mm-hmm. this thing inside here is not reality. This is just a story. This is just whatever you want to create inside your own mind. Like the more you can pour into that, like that's something that we were not being taught as children. And we're still not teaching our children that right in school, that this thing right here is the controller of all of your happiness. Mm -hmm. There's zero. Everything else is a, you know, it's, it's false. It's some sort of image or something that's been created in the world that makes you believe that you should be sad or you should be this, this or angry and all that. It's all this old images that have been that created this for you. When you can let go of all that and just know that I'm breathing and I'm alive and I'm a son of God, like, come on. Mm-hmm. So it's. Yeah. Yeah, the the stories we create in our heads are some of the strongest ones, and we do it all the time. Um, you know, Adam and I have chatted about that multiple times about you know what what we're telling ourselves is true versus what's actually true. What you think Dad is going to be upset about versus what I'm actually upset about. You know what? Um, you know, I, like again, we go right back to it. Like lying is going to make me very angry. How upset does Daddy get when you lie? Really upset, huh? Yeah. Mr. Lyle was just talking about the same thing. Have like you, that's have, one thing he can't have handle as well. Down, have, you, have you had to write down a thousand times? I will not lie. I will not lie. I will not lie. Have you done that one yet? <laughs> have I made no, you do that you before? Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. Oh, he has. Yeah, once. Only once. I don't remember how many yeah, times, but it was like, I will not lie. It was 50 times. It was only 50 times? Yeah. Yeah. He's only had to do it once at the moment. Will we ever have to do it again? No. No. Hopefully not. <laughs> no, hopefully not. No. It ain't happening, young man. It ain't happening, young man. No, my daughter's taking no, some like uh, my uh, daughter's taking some free tests today for her for her uh, like placement tests in the new school that she's at online. And mm-hmm. she's like, It's English and math, the subjects I'm not good at. I'm like, sweetie, you're eleven years old. There's nothing you're not good at. Right? Yeah, might not be as easy for you, but I said these tests, as we always talk about in all school, school is a game. 
how do we play the game? Mm-hmm. Right? This, this is just a game. You're going to go in there with a clear mind. You're going to do the answers that you know how to do as fast as you can. And then you go back and spend time on the ones that you don't know. And anything that has mm-hmm. a multiple choice that you don't know, guess what? Scribble off the two that are non-negotiable, that aren't right. And then one or two are always the two you have to choose from. You're going to have a 50-50 chance. You're going to be yeah. all right. That's the same thing we used to tell people in the military with the military tests. Yep. Like two of them are going to be automatically wrong. You know it's going to happen. Like, but the other two, you're going to have to fight between. And if you don't know, at least you have a 50-50 chance instead of a you know, 25% chance. So it's uh, school, the way it goes. I love, school, I mean, I don't remember. Yeah. School's a hard one with kids, right? Like, because it's not, it's not training. My, my, to me, traditional school is not training our kids the way I want my kid to grow up. Yeah. But it's a necessary game, right? If you will, like my daughter's right now mm-hmm. wants to play college sports. Like, you don't pass the SAT, you don't have good grades, you don't get to play college sports. Yeah. Like, yep. you don't go hand in hand, so you got to play the game, right? That's, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. You know, Mr. Lyle here likes to play golf. He's a big fan of playing golf. Yeah. Are you a big fan of golf, too? Yeah. This one loves to play golf. Adam is a big fan of golf. Um, Who's your favorite golfer? uh, What's your favorite part about golf, bud? Oh, he doesn't watch much golf, but maybe he'll be able to answer that. Who's your favorite golfer? Besides your dad, of course. (laughs) I don't know. You don't know? No. No. Do you like to putt? Do you like to drive? Do you like to chip? What's your favorite part of the game? Ooh. Well, what's your favorite part? Mm, Drive, chip, putt? Probably driving. Yeah, definitely driving. So he uh, he's a big fan of driving the ball and showing everybody how far he can drive. So he did a drive, chip, and putt competition this year for the first time, and he took first place in the drive for his age group, which was awesome to watch. Um, nice. So, I got yeah, to go to the he was mas- crushing the drive the right down the middle. So. I got to go to the Masters this All right, year. Well, we're going to end this recording. You didn't invite me, so now we're going to end the recording. Yeah. <laughs> we're done. We're done. Now, that would have been awesome. Gonna, how did you, uh, did you win the lottery thing, or did you, you just go buy tickets from somebody? He is going to yeah, get me in there one day, huh, bud? You going to get me into the match? He's going to get you in there. I had a friend of mine whose daughter got him in, got last year. He got to walk the course with her. She like qualified and got to do it all. Um, nice, so cool, like so cool. Um, That's fun. Yeah, my daughter's chosen yeah, I would not love to, to play golf. To I, I tried everything I possibly could to have her play golf, and um, very similar personality we were talking about earlier. My sister, which I've had to have to understand, like she's. She got traumatized when she went to my house at home and saw my trophy wall mm-hmm. and all these accolades and all these different things that I've won over the years. So it's like, I can never do that. Like she doesn't, it's mm. her programming in her head to see that your dad fails a whole lot of times to be able to win all those things. Right. Like it's not just, yeah. they don't just come right. It's a lot of, a lot of failure, a lot of work, a lot of practice, a lot of things. And, um, so she's so she avoided golf because she's seen all my golf trophies and didn't want to have to be there. Um, she plays soccer because I never played soccer. It's truly why she plays. It <laughs> might be so why obvious. this one plays golf because he's like, well, I'll be able to beat my dad soon, so I might as well play, right? Then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh huh. Uh huh. I know how you're thinking. <laughs> yeah, I just played golf the I, other day. I, I, um, love making, and, I love making 20 foot putts, man. There's nothing better than making a nice oh, yeah. long putt. 
that counts as a 300-yard drive. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Or a solid, a solid chip-in. Man, I had a chip-in from the sand. I got a sandy birdie the other day. A chip-in from the sand was up in Pennsylvania. Um, well, it's New, uh, New Jersey where we golf, but at a solid chip in birdie uh, out of the sand, it felt so daggum good. It was awesome. So, and in that same nine, I had about, you know, a 20, 30 foot putt for birdie. And I was like, golly, my back nine, I was on fire. I my front nine. I shot a 48, which was dreadful. Um, and then on my back nine, I parred the back nine. I shot a 36 on the back. I was like, I, wh- what happened yeah, to my front nine? Why did I play so poorly? That's the, that's the no kidding. Thing. I'm already doing bad. That's I might as well just go. <laughs> I'm, I'm constantly telling that's everyone. Ridiculous. Man, all, I'm constantly telling everyone like it's it's so comparable to life with golf and truly the outcome. Like if you focus on the outcome in golf, just like if you focus on the outcome in life, mm-hmm. like you're gonna be miserable. You're gonna be absolutely miserable yeah. because you can get up every yeah. single day and do the right things, and not what you perceive is supposed to happen will happen. Like I'll go out and hit the ball yeah. in the middle of the club face, hit 16 greens of regulations and shoot a 78 because I three-putted all day. Like, and get lips out. Yeah. And then the next day, not hit a, hit four greens and shoot a 75 and felt like I hit the ball <laughs> like crud all day. Yeah. Yeah. So. that's the, uh, Golf is such a, you know, um, it's you almost want to say humiliating, but humbling um, experience that can uh, to really bring it. So there's a really good buddy of mine, Camille. Um, he uh, um, he was up there at the the same trip that I was at, and um, he was like, "Yeah, man, golf is one of those." He's like, "I've I've always been good at everything in my life, um, and golf was one of those things that I just was not good at. So I just stopped because I didn't want to ruin my streak." He's like, "But now I'm just deciding. You know what? It it is what it is. I could try to get better at it. You know, I'll I'll see what I could do." But now he just goes out and has fun with it as opposed to making it like everything else in life as a competition and trying to, you know, beat everything. But um, golf to me, like you said, is, is a very, it's very analogous to, to life itself because you can, you could feel like you're doing the right things. You could feel like you got your swing down and then all of a sudden life's going to come across and smack you across the face and you're going to miss something. Like something's going to happen. You're not going to hit well. Um, you know, you're going to hit a tree root that you weren't expecting. There's going to be a power line going across the 14th fairway and you didn't like it. You just never would have thought you'd hit it or something is going to happen and you're going to just be upset about it. But, you know, it, it's part of life just as much as part of golf. Right, Bunny? Mm-hmm. Are you listening to anything I'm saying or are you just nodding along? You're just nodding along. He's just nodding <laughs> along. He's not even listening. We call that down here. We call that the iguana way. Because iguana is a. You ever seen an iguana? Iguana is just him nodding yeah. his head all the time. Uh-huh. That's, the, yep. that's the iguana you're way. That's why, especially when you head. speak, when you're in Costa Rica and you're speaking English to everyone and they don't really understand you, but they just CCC uh-huh. you the whole time. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, CC. Uh huh. Yep. Well, CC like. <laughs> You don't understand anything that's coming out of my mouth. In my mouth, dude. <laughs> see, <laughs> see, 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 see. <laughs> All right, you gonna go do some homework or what? You just gonna sit in here and sit on my lap and chat, or not listen? I should say. <laughs> go do your homework, buddy. Give me my headphone back, you uh, little punk. Sit here and not listen. You're gonna <laughs> sit here and not listen? I don't think so. Go do your homework. You got lots of reading to do. I love you, buddy. Hey, hey, hey. See, I don't, man, I'm going to have to beat this kid up now, man, oh, man. Go, go, go. This is, this is the problem with kids. I tell you what, this is the problem with kids. Come and ruin your podcast. 
Yeah, uh-huh. They come and ruin your podcast. You forget the daddy knows thing. Yeah, is my hand sweaty? Yeah. What do you know? Get out of here. Uh, okay, okay, okay. Get out of here, you punk. See, this is man. Why did I choose to homeschool? What the heck was I thinking? Go. Get out of here. Man, oh man. For those of you just listening, you should have totally been in here as my son is trying to steal my headphones out of my head. Rascal. But but no, it uh um, I, I love being able to have him be able to, and I, I think I told you before we started recording, having him just kind of come in and say hello to me once in a while breaks up my day. And, um, one thing I don't think I did tell you on our pre-call was like, I, uh, when I was in the military, I was traveling a lot for various different things. Um, and one day Adam came running up to me. He was, it was before we even had our second kid and he came running up to me crying, but daddy, 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 don't leave again when I was in the middle of all my travels. And I was literally just going to take the trash out. And to me, that was always that, like, that's a story that I love to be able to tell to folks who think that they're doing the right things that think that, that, you know, the travel they're doing or the business that they're doing is, is the right thing, the right decision. Like, no, I'm doing this for my family. You know, I, I was earning a decent paycheck. I was traveling around the world. I was, you know, doing good for the world, quote unquote, um, uh, which boy, I, let's not travel down that road. That'll be an interesting conversation. Yeah. If I talk about the doing good for the world with everything I've done in my life. Right. So, um, and now it's like, okay, what if I'm really doing stuff for my family? And it was it was Ryan Pineda I heard recently talking about it too. He's like a bunch of business owners, like they're they're out there doing the same thing. Like they're they're burning the midnight oil. They're constantly working. They're working 14, 15 hours a day um, for their family, quote unquote. Right? Like if you're if you never see your family, are you really doing it for your family? Like what's the point? Um, so now I just try to take advantage of the fact that they come in the house. And that's one of the reasons I started homeschooling as well. It's like, I will, like you come into my office. I want to be able to teach you. I want to be able to support you. I want to be able to do like you were saying, I want like the school system is not teaching him the way I want to teach him. He's working quote unquote working, you know, 45 hour weeks for school. Like yeah. when is he a kid? You're if he's working 45 hours a week for school, like I don't understand. Like, and now I'm, now I've got him working, you know, two, three, three hours a day. And he's getting a good education. He's understanding where he's at. He was able to go on the trip to Philadelphia with me. He was able to go travel places with me. Like it just doesn't. Um, I want to be able to take advantage of every one of those moments. So uh, that's one thing that I, I've told a couple people after the podcast because I like to always ask like what I could do better on on the podcast. And um, one of the things I told somebody is like you know maybe less interruptions because my, my last podcast recording um, they came in a lot. Uh, and uh, it it. You know, it's like maybe I should just get them to come in less often. And uh, the guy was like, "I would never tell you to to stop doing that." You know, like that's that's part of why you're doing what you're doing. And it's you know, uh, I absolutely love it. And now he's just standing here staring at me. Exactly. It's I mean, I'm I do business as a dad here at the house, so it's you know, it's part of it's part of the process. But um, but yeah, the uh, to go back to the 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 golf thing. Lincoln about the they mentioned they said. Because I wrote something today about what money can't buy, right? And they were like, well, what if you're an entrepreneur and you're able to invest in someone to help you get to something faster, right? For your income or whatever you're going to create. So now you're not working as many hours versus entrepreneur B that needs to put in all these extra hours. And I'm like, well, entrepreneur B doesn't really truly have his values aligned. With if he truly wants to be with his family and spend time with them, there's no amount of money that you're going to go chase to go be with your family. Yeah. You have false values. Yeah. You have false, you're lying to yourself. Like saying that family is important to you when you're not truly making the decisions every day in your calendar and your bank account that has to relate to families. And 
come on, like your values aren't aligned. You're, you're, yeah. you're missing, right? Yeah, when I first started getting in the business side of the house, um, I created all these goal sheets and where I wanted to be, and I like back back built how many doors I needed to be able to get the amount of income that I wanted to be able to build this life that I wanted. Never once talked to my wife about what this life was going to be like. It was just a life that I created based off of what I always felt like I was missing in my life or what I felt like was going to be the thing. And then you know I'm talking to my wife and like none of that meant anything to her. Like it was just like. I wasn't I wasn't trying to build anything with her. I was trying to build what I thought was going to make sense. And then even then we started having kids, I had to really re-scrap like just scrap it all. Like it didn't it didn't matter, you know, how many millions I'd make. It mattered how many times I was able to bring the kids on a trip or how it, how many times I was able to tuck them in at night or how many, you know, um, you know, how many times my shoulder was there for them to cry on. Those were the things that I should be having on that on that list and they never were. And they're still, I mean, technically, right, they're still not, but they're always in my brain now on how well I'm able to be present with my kids and where, you know, where I'm at with that. Because to me, it's so much more important. You know, again, I don't, I don't want to act like they're important. I want to show them that they're important. I want them to know that they're important to me. Um, and, you know, having those values aligned, you know, yes, you may you may not, you know, reach the financial stature that you wanted to. You may not, you know... Uh, it, there's a guy that uh, that I know that he, you know, uh, it was passing on some very sage wisdom. Um, uh, he's worth a, a few hundred million dollars, um, and he was passing on some advice to us about um, about growing up with with your families and um, doing the things and how it did not go as smoothly with his kids as he wanted them to because he was so busy changing or chasing everything thinking he would needed to do this and needed to excel in that and needed to grow his net worth by this and needed to build that. Um, and he lost a lot of the time with his family that he, he fully regrets now, you know, and he, you know, and he, he was one of those guys that again, if you had to do it all over again, he said that he would, he would definitely change a lot. He would not chase nearly the amount that he was chasing. He's like, yeah, sure. It's great to have now. Um, but w- at what expense, you know, and those types of conversations were the kind that slapped me in the face and go, you know what? Like fix yourself, fix fix your thought process on this. I'd rather I'd rather live in a you know two thousand square foot house with my family than live in a five thousand square foot uh, condo with nobody around. You know, um, and it's I think it's I know for me in my life it's easier for me to go work. Yeah, that's the easy thing for me. Like that's the yeah. place that I excel in. Like that's the easy place. Like for me to go show empathy and be self-aware with my daughter, with my wife, to listen and not mm-hmm. tell them what to do. You know, all these things, like where I have to be vulnerable and, you know, those are all difficult things for me to do, right? Those are not, yeah. the, like, if, like I told you at the beginning of the podcast, like, like I ran on, like, I don't care about anybody in the world, right? So I've had to, like, and that's easy for me to go do. Like going and blaming everybody else for everything that bad happens in your life mm-hmm. and just running across the world, just chasing money and fame and whatever, greed, all these different things. Those are a lot easier to deal with, you know, not having to accept who you are as a human. It's a lot easier. Yeah. To handle, right. And that's why we go and do it. Right. Cause, and then we justify it and say, we're doing it to us so mm-hmm. we can give our family more. and. I know my wife, I'm, I'm, I mean, I have a wife that grew up on dirt floors, you know, with no running water. Right. So yeah, 
her, I mean, her whole life was like, just do we have food and a roof over our head? So yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that's a mentality we have with each other. It's like, we have food and a roof over our head, man. We are so winning and blessed every single day. Like, yeah, let's not go outside of that. Right. Like I don't, don't go buy another car. Don't add more debt to our life. Don't do any of these things that are mm-hmm. created so that we have to be not with each other as much on a, on a daily basis so that we can have a bigger house yeah. or, you know, I mean, go on more vacations. I'm like, I live in Costa Rica. I don't ever need to go on vacation again. Personally. <laughs> yeah. I'm totally cool with going to the beach here, playing golf here and staying in a Marriott every once in a while around the corner. <laughs> Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, I you know that is where a lot of people go to vacations, and then you just get to live there and enjoy it. So, you know, it's it you know the the material things. I you know I, I still definitely have some things on my list of things I'd like to buy, but it's it's uh, I'm doing everything I can, and maybe I'm just making this up myself. You know, to to give myself a reason why I should want these things. But um, like I really like my I have a very strong goal that is I'm going to succeed at is buying my airplane. Um, I was going to buy it last year and then we ended up moving to Florida and buying a house and doing the thing. So that shifted and then I was going to get it this year and some real estate stuff and blah, blah, blah. I'm coming up with excuses and why I haven't bought it yet, but, um, I'm going to buy an airplane. Is that a material thing for sure? Is that a thing that, um, uh, I put on my, my list before I had a conversation with my wife? Absolutely. But, <laughs> but I'm also, I'm a pilot. I love to be able to travel with my family. It's like, all right, well, I just put you guys in the plane and let's go fly somewhere. Let's go enjoy our life. Like to me, it's, it's a tool to go enjoy life together. But um, finding that balance between what I'm doing that is what I'm justifying myself as a reason why I, I should get it versus like the actual reasons to get it. The same thing to like, why am I working all these hours is to support my family. Well, I think you're supporting your family much more by being there than you are by working all those hours. Am I succeeding in the goals? Am I just making up a reason why I want this material thing versus actually, is that actually why you want this material thing? Or is it because you were never able to have that when you were younger or whatever the reason might be that I make up for myself? I don't, I don't know, but um, I'll pause for, for conversation on that for a minute. <laughs> no. Yeah. I mean, I think as long as you, as long as it's not going to make you have to go work more and lose yeah. the balance of the time that you have, then why not? Right. But if it's going to alter yeah. your, the lifestyle that you want to live and create and that you've already created for yourself, where you have this freedom to homeschool your kids and be there with them and, going date nights with your wife, all these things. Like if it's going to alter any of that, because, Oh, well now I have to go push a little bit harder Then, to me. That's where I say it's the no, right. That's where I just eliminate any material type thing. It's like, if it's going to, any jobs that I take, any consulting gigs that I take anything, if it's going to be a burden on me, that's going to alter, like I'll lose money for a little while before I go take on that thing. That's going to alter my health, alter these non-negotiables that I've created in my life, you know, the time I'm putting into my community, the time I have with my family, like these, mm-hmm. these core rocks that they're all first before the money stuff is right. The, the earning of income, I've gotten to a point personally where it's just, I don't have a lot of expenses, right. I don't have debt. So it doesn't take me a lot to, to, you know, produce the amount of income that I want. And if I'm going negative for a while, yeah. It's not going to kill it. I got some years I can go negative, 
right? I live that way. Like mm-hmm. it's, you know, I got time. So it removes that stress of having to just take anything that comes on. So that's for me, that's why I, I don't, I have personally don't, I don't even have a car. You know what I mean, I ride around nice. on a bike and walk, force myself to just like stay out of the beat. Right. <laughs> Man, that's uh, awesome. But yeah, that's the way I, that's, that's the way I would, I would approach it. I mean, if you can, if you can, if you can afford it and it's not going to make you have to alter, you know, those things that you truly value and that you appreciate in your life and you understanding that, I mean, with three young kids, man, there's, you only got 18 years with them, really. And they're out of the house, right? Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. I, 18 summers, all these different things, right? You, you start doing the math. Like I did something with my mom. I forget a 40 something more you know, visits I'm going to have with her. Maybe she comes and visits mm-hmm. me twice a year. You know, like, yeah, it's not a lot of, not a lot of time. Yeah, for sure. And that, I mean, the, the 18 summers thing is yet another reason why I, I decided to homeschool. It was like, I just, I, I don't get that time back. Like, I mean, if, if he's working, if now all of them are working 45 hours a week for school and I'm working, you know, 50, 60 hours a, a week, when do we get to actually be together besides maybe dinner, maybe unless there's a sporting event going on that, you know, you're eating, you know, a sandwich in the car on the drive to the golf course. And, you know, I'm, you know, not eating at all tonight because I had to bring you there and then I had to go over here and do this. And then I had to get on a phone call for that. And it's like, man, oh man, like when, when do we actually get those 18 summers, you know, cause it's not like, not like my wife doesn't work during the summer. It's not like I could take the full summer off. I mean, I'm still running businesses and doing the thing. So um, I, I love the, you know, the, the non-negotiables in life. And that's one of those things like we started implementing us inside of our company and, um, telling people like we have core values for the company, like, and we hire and fire based off of those core values. Like if they're not, if you, if you don't meet our core values, then it like it, you can't, you can't be in the company. Like you gotta be, you gotta be in line with the core values. Um, and then I've been telling myself, like recently I've been having a conversation with myself, like, Hey, I need to sit down with my wife and we need to come up with solid core values for our family. Like we've, we've had some like loose core values for the family. Um, but I want some like solid core values for the family. And then we make decisions on what we do based off of those core values. Will, will this meet our non-negotiables in life? Cause our core values are going to be the non-negotiables. Um, you know, will buying this airplane help that will taking this trip to Philadelphia help that will homeschooling help that will whatever insert decision for the family here. Um, will it help with media? Like, will we be in line with our non-negotiables with our core values as a family? Will we be, will we be getting closer to that life that we want to live by making this decision as opposed to, um, not right. You know, um, uh, so I, I love the, the, the way you said that about the non-negotiables. Yeah, I started. My wife and I, about, I think it's three years, this will be year four, we started doing, we do, we take the weekend and we do this workbook. Um, it's a couple's retreat where we talk about all of our goals and our values and, and plan out our year. And then we do a quarterly and a mid-year reevaluation of it. It's through um, The One Thing. Have you heard Gary Keller's The One Thing? Yep. For sure. Yeah. So through there, we were doing that, doing that couples retreat. Man, it's been a game changer for us. Like I keep it, I keep it at home. I mean, I even had to call my wife out last week because we're working on this girls soccer organization. I'm really fully into it. And she kind of fell off the last like month and month and a half because she wasn't happy with mm-hmm. the coach. And she gets into these, she doesn't like someone. It's like, oh, shuts off. And I had to remind her like, 
baby, we sat here and agreed we're going here. Legacy, this stuff, way over here. This is just a human in the yeah. middle of it. We cannot allow a human in the middle of mm-hmm. this any stop with me and you have decided that we're going here that's bigger than no one else can even see. No one else has any idea yeah. what our long-term, what legacy, what we're trying to leave here and why we're trying to make this impact on this girls and what we're doing. Right. And I need you to be there because if you're not with me, then I'm by myself and now I'm alone. Yeah. And that, you know, that's a, that's a, that's a trigger for me when I feel lonely, like I start getting upset and I don't want to feel lonely in my house. Mm-hmm. Right. It was, yeah. a, it was a very vulnerable and conversation. I think Oh, I bet. Yeah. One of the, one of the keys I think that, that you just said there was the fact that you guys made those decisions together, which completely contrasts what I had said earlier about where I was trying to create this vision. And it was all about what I wanted as a vision and all these things that I wanted and my wife had no clue about. Um, so I think that makes the conversation so much easier when you guys have done it together and there's buy-in from both sides. Um, did you um did you include your uh daughter in that conversation as well or is that not at her level yet no she knows big goals that we're working on as a family she knows she knows my core values and she knows what her Mm -hmm. strengths are like we did strength finder with her so she understands what her strengths are and we're always trying to remind her of like who she is and you know why she should be being her authentic self and not hiding and you know, she's, you know, she's, she still has a lot of fears with that. She's, she's not on, she does no social mm-hmm. media, no YouTube, none of that kind of stuff, which she knows she can do it as soon as she becomes a creator. Yeah. Right. So she's going through that now. Yeah. Like she's taking a digital photography class right now because she wants to get, she wants to be in it, but she knows I'm not letting her in it unless she's a creator. Like you're not going to be a consumer. Yeah. Like I'm not allowing you to go into this and be a consumer and just feed off dopamine of it, right? Like you need to be a creator of it. And I'll do it with you. Let's have fun with it, right? Yeah. Like let's, you know, th- th- this can be a great. I mean, social media can be an awesome thing if you use it the right way, right? It can, it can be For a sure. great place to explore yourself, you know, to to become. To, truly identify your authentic self, create a tribe around your people. Like there's a lot of really cool stuff that could be done with the internet nowadays. If you utilize Mm -hmm. it, right. And don't use it as a drug. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you're not using it, it will certainly use you and it will abuse you and tear you down and break you apart and do all sorts of stuff that it does constantly. So I love that concept, though, of, of not allowing her to be on it unless she's the creator on it. And I think that's that's really solid. I've been trying to convince Adam to do um, to do a YouTube channel. Like I want to build him a YouTube channel around kids golf because I think it'd be a lot of fun to, to do. You know, it's something he loves to do and he, you know, he's good at it. So it's fun to watch. And I'm sure other people would like to, to do it, uh, to watch him and, you know, see how much he grows and all the, all the fun stuff. And that way, when he's in the masters, um, later on in life, he'll have a whole YouTube channel by then, you know, so <laughs> lots of followers be crushing at the masters. So, but, uh, um, you mentioned strength finder. What, what is strength finder? And what, like, uh, you said that you had your daughter do that. Tell me what that is. Yeah, it's Gallup. Gallup. Okay. They have one for kids right. as well. I've been a big component of that in my right. companies and everything that I've ran by all the people that are around me, the different businesses I have, like, um, it's part of like hiring process that I've used for years too. It's, 
I learned that probably probably about 10 years ago I got introduced to it. And before that it was always I was it was always work on your weaknesses, work on your weaknesses, work on your weaknesses. And when I started learning that, mm-hmm. you know, let's work on my strengths and surround myself with people yep. that can support my weaknesses, right? Like, let me be the race car driver. I'm the race car driver. Yeah, I know how to change the tires. Yeah, I know how to do the spark plug. Yeah, I know how to do all that kind of stuff, but I don't like it. And there's someone else that really loves doing that. So why not find that person that yeah. loves doing that and putting them in that position, right? And using the Strength Finder as a tool, especially with hiring for me, was so powerful because I would always hire me. Right, what I liked versus what was going to complement me. Right, so then I, I have a wheel that shows the four different categories now. Right, with the people that are around me, and if I need someone in this business that has to do an executor, right, that's part of the process before I even interview them. Right, I'm investing in you know resume, getting some basic questions out of them, and then investing in a gallop. Yeah. Like they need to pass that, fit into that. I need to be clear that they're the executor that I want to be there before I even sit down and interview. Um, between that and Enneagrams, those two things, like the last team I built, um, sales team, I literally had all nine Enneagrams on my team. Like it was part of the experiment I was doing. And I didn't, I hired nice. 80% of them were non salespeople. They were great relationship people. And had great networks and trust within their communities, mm-hmm. right? And so I trained them and developed them all on a relationship-based sales versus a transactional-based sales. Man, yeah, it's just dominated, right? Everybody was looking at me in the company like, "You're nuts!" Like that's like you can't hire that person. They've never done sales. I'm like, don't worry. Yeah, like they got a circle of influence. This is who they are. Like, watch, like this mm-hmm. thing's gonna work and. Um, that's awesome and getting those different personality types and then meeting with everyone and letting everyone understand hey this is who this person is this is how they work and these are their strengths Mm -hmm. and these are their weaknesses and that's why they respond to you this way this is why you like this person because you guys are both eights and you're both this and yeah then and really having those open conversations with people like that's how you build a real solid solid team that's fun to work with yeah, for sure. That's awesome. Yeah, it's uh I've I've heard so many different ways of, of building the teams and I think that you know that's one thing that the hiring wise I've heard from multiple people. So it's it's a good reminder of um hiring somebody like you is probably not a great idea, right? Because we are, we already have a you. We don't need another you. We need somebody who can do the things that you can't, right? And it's, you know, um and that's that's one of those things too that I I I guess now I'm looking at it from this direction. Um my sons oftentimes want to be like me, right? Well, we already have a me. You know, you don't need to be like me. You need to be like you. You need to figure out who you are and run around doing what you want to do. Um, just like my my youngest son wants to be a lot like his big brother. Well, we are, you already have him. We don't need another him. We need a you. Like, I want the real you to show up and whatever you want to do. You know, if you want to golf, then go for it. If you don't want to golf, then don't. Like, what are your strengths? What are you excited about? What, you know, what, you know? makes you really happy but um i uh, i've been a, a strong proponent for the last probably i don't know five six years maybe more than that on the work on your strengths and hire your weaknesses and it's 
not always the easiest thing to do because again like if it's my weakness i also am still like balancing the hiring up my weakness as well as making sure i'm not hiring somebody like myself like those are like how the heck am i supposed to know how to hire my weakness if it's already my weakness what the heck am i supposed to do i don't really know like it's uh, it's a tough balance but i think that's that, why the you tool. Know, having a system that's like you just that said exactly exactly just to get me Feel out like of Get me out yeah, of I, th- I think that that's a, a super wise way of doing it. So, so yeah, tell me about was, your businesses, your sales teams, and all that type of stuff. Uh, let's dig into that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I mean, right now, um, I sold a company like seven years ago, this vacation rental business, and then I ended up working with that okay. company for six and a half, almost seven years. Uh, January, they let me go. So that's when I started the coaching and consulting business. So it's kind of it's kind of new. Something my wife has been telling me to do for years because it's something I do. Like I'm always coaching, I'm always consulting. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and then I have a so now I have a tour and activity business. I have a website business, um, some photography. Um, my newest one that I want to open up is a butchery. No one knows yet, but I'm going to open up an organic butchery here in town. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so yeah, that's awesome. Um, yeah. So. My main thing with businesses now, it's like I have a real estate project as well that I've been working on for the last three years. That's going to turn into have 150 acres or segregating land, building homes. You know, I'm going through infrastructure and all that nice. kind of stuff right now. A lot of government nonsense that I'm dealing with, uh, mm-hmm. which will be another source of income in the future. Uh, but my, my passion is 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 small businesses locally really is where i get the most juice from like i love helping someone new like my website company i started this guy was working in a tour and activity place he built their website for him it was super nice he's getting paid nothing there right he's doing the management and doing all this kind of stuff i'm like you like doing websites he's like man i really love doing websites i'm like well how much do you get paid this is what i make okay I said, I need a lot of websites made. How about I hire you full time for a year and we start a website company together? And we're going to replace your income within a year with other people's websites. All my friends mm-hmm. and different people will start building the business. You know, three years later, the guy's making four times more than he's ever made. A percentage of all that nice. money now goes into my girl, into the girl's soccer organization. Because that's what I like with these smaller little businesses that I do. Like, I'll take a percentage of them. I'll consult. I might invest money, get a little bit, get my money back, and then want a percentage of it to go back to a nonprofit. And right now, my nonprofit mm-hmm. is girls soccer. So that nice. those little these little side businesses that I have are supporting the girls soccer. Then my coaching and consulting supports myself and my real estate transactions. That's where I'm making you know the money to support nice. my household. But like. My goal is to continue just adding on a business or two every single year with someone locally within my community that then can then support back socially responsible by me just gifting and, you know, I invest five grand, I invest 10 grand in the business, and then I invest time by mentoring mm-hmm. and, and bringing them within my network. Uh, that's how I envision the rest of my life, like just continuing to help small businesses within my community, within my area that can, you know, sustain without dealing with the middleman. Ultimately, that's like, I, wanna, mm-hmm. I went through this process of watching a company go public and it's like, 
the last thing I want to contribute to ever again in my life. Oh yeah. Like ever. What like, what was just, what turned you away from that? It just it ends. It all becomes paper. It all becomes a number. There's no mm. there's there's no heart. There's nothing. To me, entrepreneurship is about, you know, you having something and a gift to be able to help other people, right? And building something with them. And when you go and it just turns into a spreadsheet and you can just ruin people's lives while you sit there and just fly around on your plane or do whatever you're going to do and, and you don't adjust, right? Like I, I've never fired someone because of financial reasons, right? Like to, to make the company mm -hmm. get in the black, like it's my responsibility to make the company in the black. And if I have to not eat, when I made a response, when I made the commitment to someone else that I was providing them a job, like it's my responsibility to continue to provide. Mm -hmm. Right. And once you get into this corporate corporate world, yeah. it's like, oh, it's the quarter. It's false numbers. Oh, we just got to cut 17% of these people. And then we're going to hire some more people next week. Like that stuff mm. is just yeah. it's nonsense to me, man. It's so, it's so wrong. I mean, watching CEOs and CEOs get $8 million as the company's losing money and they're firing housekeepers that make 600 bucks a month. Like, get out of here, yeah. man. It's, like, I never want to be a part of anything like that. Like, I, I needed it. It was really cool for me to go through that process because I've never been in corporate America mm -hmm. and, like, and doing that. But that, that is my, just makes zero, zero sense to me that, and I think so many people like they build these companies and then these big venture capitalist funds come in and take all this, you know, heart and soul that someone put into building something and they just strip it away. Mm -hmm. Right. All over money. Yeah. And it's like, it's so depressing, man. It's, and it's just getting worse and worse, right? There's only a few companies that own everything now. So it's just even yeah. more important now to be small and local and community driven to me. Mm -hmm. Like it's just, there's, there's even just so much more value as we continue to grow to be, be sustainable in your community, you know, not be dependent on the big corporate giants. Like that is to me is the only way we're going to beat this and, and make it into the future. Like if not, we're just yeah. going to be robots. I think keeping that. No. Yeah, I think there, like, there's uh, to me, it sounds like what you're saying is like they, they, like you have a why behind the businesses that you're doing. You have a why, and you understand what that is, and you're chasing it. And then too many people, and I think that we do this with our families, we do this with our businesses, that we forget why we're doing what we're doing, and we've kind of hit on that a few times in different angles throughout this conversation. But, um, you know, you when your why becomes the money, um, or if or if your why even started as the money, right? Like that's not that's not going to sustain you. You're not going to be keeping your your personal values if you've even have any at this point. Um, you know, you're going to be losing a lot of that. You're going to be losing your family. You're going to be losing your friends. You're going to be losing a lot of things if all the why is is your money. And then even once you get the money, good luck. You know, it ain't, it's not going to be there anymore. Like if the money sure may be there, but it's going to be like that friend I was talking about that you know lost a lot along the way and barely almost lost his entire family because of the him just doing nothing but chase the money as opposed to you know having a solid why um but i, I love that that thought process on on that just i mean i 
I always want to be able to whatever I'm doing be able to give back in one way, shape, or form. Um, you know, and I don't. Uh, I don't know. I want to. I want to build that out to be a little bit stronger than it is at the moment. But at the same point, you know, it's. It. I already have it, but I just you know I always want it to be on the forefront as I'm not ever just doing it for the money because I'm doing it for the money. That's the wrong reason for sure. So, yeah. But now it sounds like you've got a lot of really cool cool irons in the fire. Oh yeah, it is hard. Yeah, you're not wrong, but. Um, the, the consulting thing, what exactly are you consulting on? If somebody wanted to reach out to you and say, Hey, I'd like to work on consulting. What is it that you, uh, you would say you want yeah, them to do? Pro- my, or that my, you, strong, you do. Yeah. I'm strongest. It, pretty much I've done every business industry there is like when it comes to just business strategy, like high level, like you have a problem mm-hmm. you think is a problem. Like I walk in and show you how to, that's not a problem. Like quickly, like. I have some way of seeing things. I can see where something's going to go. And I know the next step that needs to be taken. Right. I'm not good at putting all the steps together because I've never seen a plan go from point A to point B in a straight line in a business. Right. There's a, Mm -hmm. there's a vision, a long-term one. And then there's the next step action that you take. Right. And then it's a constant move to make sure that you're staying aligned going forward. Like I'm really good at going, okay, I see where you want to go. This is the next move you need to make to make that change and start taking the step forward. Right. Um, nice. Then, so go to market sales. Like that's, I do sales in my sleep, like being able to, and, and doing it differently. Like I'm not an activity salesperson, mm-hmm. right? I'm a relationship based salesperson. So, the network that I've had over the last 26 years, like there's pretty much not an industry that I'm not able to go and crack. Like, okay, who are the biggest players in there? How yeah. are we going to get into their players? And how are we going to touch to the decision makers so that we can start making transactions? Right. Like I've, I've done awesome. it with yeah. so many different industries. Um, and then the coaching side of it for me is so very specific with the consulting. Like right now I'm doing two consulting jobs. They're both local. They're both with companies here that are trying mm-hmm. to cut out middlemen. One's in the tech space. Um, they're both. And then the other ones, uh, offshore developers that are helping bring technical products to people in the U S and the companies in the U S using offshore, um, mm-hmm. developers at a discount to speak English and, um, Nice. So I'm helping them grow their grow their market by having someone that's trusted English speaking American to be able to go approach um, clients mm-hmm. in the U.S. Uh, and then when it comes to coaching, for me, it's I don't really like have an individual type of person. For me, it's anybody that's willing and wants to change and make a change in their life, like and, and ready to start mm-hmm. to trans- transform, like. I've done it. Like I've gone through some serious transformations, 180s couple times, right? Like so I can I can help you get to that just keep taking those next steps and simplify the situation, yeah. right? Most of my clients and friends and everybody that's in my life like when they come to me, they come to me because they know Lyle's not going to look at this as a problem. Like I'm going to yeah. come to Lyle and Lyle's going to be like yeah, well, why don't we do this or do that? Like, there's going to be no negativity mm-hmm. about it. nothing is comes to me is a problem. Everything comes to me is a is a new experience in life that's happening to me. So let's go. 
And that's something yeah. I've been blessed that's with. Awesome. And just lucky. As a, I've been lucky as a human. Like, I don't know where that came from. I don't know, but it's been something my whole life. I've just constantly like, no matter how hard I got hit or knocked down, it's always just been, okay, what's the next move? What's the next move? Mm-hmm. Where, and now I've learned how to, you know, I've learned how to package that over the years. And, um, yeah, and I, I feel like I've been able to, I've been able to simplify that process. And when, when I work with people, um, we see, we see, we see results every single week. I mean, I had my guy, my guy this morning was bawling, crying, and we were just having conversations. So, <laughs> nice. I mean, I, I love that it's yeah, the name, you know, helping everyone achieve dreams. Like head, head is your last name and you created the, yeah. I mean, I, I absolutely love that. And it's, uh, um, you know, it, it's a, when you have that ability, um, if you're not using it, then you're, you're, you're wasting so much. I would imagine the fulfillment that you get from, from helping people get through those things is, um, beyond exciting for you. I can, I mean, you can hear it in your voice that it just is something that you're passionate about and you love doing. So, um, I love, I love talking to people who are, are chasing those types of things and, and, you know, man, was, I, 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 I'm a big fan of being able to work through that. Really hard to really charge hard for what? it. It was really hard to charge for it. Yeah. Yeah. Right? It was really because it was just such a foreign yeah, I would thing. Imagine. For- mm-hmm. Yeah, when I was first looking at uh, starting coaching, I was saying the same thing. I was like, I don't know if I like I don't I don't even like A, it was it, like I just love talking about this stuff. I love being able to work through it. I don't understand like why I would even charge for it. It's just a good conversation, you know, it's like this podcast. Like I just like having good conversations with people. Like I don't like I'm not expecting to make a million bucks off of it. I just want to be able to, you know, have a good conversation and help somebody or, you know, it's great. Like why the heck, you know? And then I was talking to a buddy of mine and he was like, Oh no, like you you totally still have to. Like it's still something that you should still be charging and, you know, people are gonna be happy to pay for it and you're gonna be happy to do it. So it's a win win across the board and I still I still struggle with uh, with doing it, you know, whether it's my financial coaching, whether it's, um, you know, real estate coaching, whatever it is, I still, you know, struggle a little bit charging, <laughs> charging for it. But it's like, but, you know, it it's it's also one of those that uh, people really um, seem, it seems to move the needle more when somebody pays for it rather than just has a conversation about it. So, um, but, you know, I don't, I don't, you know, part, part of the process, but uh, uh, what have you, what have you, have you found that that's actually accurate or do you think I'm just making something up right, right now as I'm chatting with you? No, for sure. I mean, I still get, I still get more excited when it's a combination of coaching and consulting where it's like, and there's some performance based involved in it as well. Right. To where I'm like, Hey, you're giving me a small retainer. There's a high upside for, you know, the commission side Mm -hmm. of me, which likes that part of it to then where, how do I get some ownership in your business? If I can really take it to the next level as well, like that combination of all three of those is where I get like the most excited and people are always like, you do all these different things. Yeah. You have all these different businesses. I did the same thing in all of them. I show up, yeah. work through problems, right? Most of them are in here for mm-hmm. all of us that I'm dealing with first, right? It's most of yeah. it's all personal. And then I, we work on one little business move to make for the next week. Right. But most of it is getting yeah. out of their head so that they want to come to work and show up every single day and be excited about what they're doing and getting back aligned to why they made the decision to do what they're doing. Like that's the majority of, of what coaching is all about, right? Mentorship. It's, it's talking people off the rails and bringing them back to like, mm-hmm. okay, you're good. This is the one thing you need to do this week. Let's just keep making progress. Yeah. 
That's awesome. Again, one percent better every day, right? As as long as you're making progress in the business, you're making progress in yourself. You're going to you're gonna you're gonna succeed. Like just keep on getting better, keep on working harder. But hey, Lyle, it was awesome chat with you, Lyle. I well before I before I start to wrap it up, is there anything you want to ask me? Any questions you have for me, or anything you'd like to add that we may have missed that you'd like to touch on? No, nah, I think it was. Uh, I think we touched lots of spectrums. I mean, it was a fun. It was a fun conversation. Oh, yeah. um, I'm looking forward to watching you with your children as you continue to grow. I mean, know you have someone to lean on. I have a couple of years ahead of you with the, with the kid. Um, I think we're on the same path when it comes to understanding the value of mm. learning from our children, right? Like that's to me, yeah. it's been a lot of parents just miss out on that opportunity, right? They completely miss out on the opportunity of the growth and what you can learn from your children, right? Sure. You stay there and you be present yeah. and accept the resistance that's in your life is not them. It's you. So grow. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. Learn, learn from the kids has been, uh, even if it's, even if they're not trying to teach me, they're teaching me every day. So it's, it's a lot of fun, but Lyle, I, I thank you so much for jumping on. I appreciate it. I'm glad that, uh, that Stu uh, connected us for sure. Um, I look forward to, uh, continuing to hear more, more about what you got going on, chat with you further. If somebody wants to reach out to you, whether it's the coaching, whether it's consulting, whatever it is, what's the best way for somebody to get a hold of you? Yeah, I'm on LinkedIn under my name, Lyle Head, or I have LyleHead.com. So it's Lyle, L-I-S-L-E, like an aisle, and then head, H-E-A-D.com. Awesome. LyleHead.com and then LinkedIn. We'll have that uh, in the show notes. I'm, uh, again, very thankful for you jumping on. I really appreciate it. It was a great conversation um i barely even touched about you know how you want to get your kids into business which is something i usually like to talk about but man we went on seven, 74 other different tangents that were so much fun so uh so thank you again i appreciate it and maybe we'll have you on again to actually talk about uh, involving kids in the business so i would love to do, I thank do you. a lot of thank you again here. enjoy yourself everybody oh yeah yeah i bet yeah sorry i completely interrupted you i had a delay there what was that no that was insane i i would love to i love talking about young kids and teaching them entrepreneurship getting them involved yeah that's definitely a passion of mine now that i know what entrepreneurship is you know now you know it's uh before before i had kids i had no idea you know now now i've got i've got businesses and kids and the whole thing so it's exciting but thank you everybody for listening greatly appreciate it and we will uh see you on the next one thank you Thank you so much for listening to the Biz Dad Podcast. We hope you found some value in your time here with us, and we look forward to bringing you the next episode. If you've enjoyed today's show, please subscribe and share so you and your friends won't miss our upcoming episodes. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Rumble, where we continue these discussions and share more valuable content. Be the dad you know you need to be and run your business in a way you're proud to share with your kids. Keep crushing it.